Thanks for listening to The Leader. You can subscribe and rate from your favourite podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Labour is in trouble and Jeremy Corbyn is the reason why. I've spoken to three Labour MPs this morning from all across the country and they're they're dismayed but they were not surprised by that poll. The Standard's Aisha Hazarika explains the party's new election strategy as a major poll shows the Tories winning with a big majority. Also... Every time he hears about a youngster being stabbed to death in London, you know, he feels it as if it's his own son. Our crime correspondent, Anthony France, has spoken to the father of Damalola Taylor about the family's plans to support trainee doctors in his son's name. And It's unusual and, and very large. Uh, when it was completed in 1881, uh, it was the largest gas holder anywhere in the world. Jonathan Prince speaks to us about London's love of Victorian gas houses with an iconic one at Old Kent Road set to be saved. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, has Labour lost the election already? 
they will blame Blairites and Facebook algorithms. Probably the Russians and the winter weather. Donald Trump, maybe Prince Andrew. Anyone and anything other than the only thing they really have to blame, which is themselves. Our London editor Aisha Hazarika is with me. Aisha, can Labour win an election with Jeremy Corbyn in charge? I think it's going to be very hard for Labour to get an outright majority with Jeremy Corbyn as leader. The poll out last night, um, which everyone is talking about, was pretty bad for Labour. Now, there is a big caveat to that poll, as we discussed in our last podcast about voter registration. There's a lot of people who have signed up to, to, to vote. They may not have been captured by this poll. This poll is a snapshot of a moment in time. It's not so much a prediction. It's like if the vote happened like last night at 10 o'clock, this would, this would be the result. Now, there's still two weeks to go. But, you know, being very honest with you from what Labour MPs are feeding back to me, from what I've witnessed on the doorstep, a lot of the policies are quite popular. A lot of the local candidates are quite popular. But Jeremy Corbyn is an issue on the doorstep. Yeah, we talked about those caveats in the poll. And polls are, of course, they're just polls. They don't necessarily reflect what will happen. But this is coming after that manifesto came out and after lots of people were talking about Labour policies and some people were getting really excited. So given the timing, this must be particularly worrying. Yeah, it feels like quite a kick in the teeth for everybody that's campaigning. I mean, I've spoken to three Labour MPs this morning from all across the country and they're they're dismayed, but they were not surprised by that poll. One Labour MP said to me, um, this is exactly in line with what I'm picking up and this is this feels right. You can already see a wee bit in, in Labour circles, almost a blame game beginning in terms of preparing for the defeat. It's interesting as well, that there's more chatter about who might replace Jeremy Corbyn now. And there's a big debate coming up on Friday night and with the BBC hosted by Nick Robinson. This is going to be all seven parties represented. Now, interestingly, uh, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn are not going and they're sending deputies. And Jeremy Corbyn is sending Rebecca Long-Bailey. She is the shadow business secretary. She's very much seen as a successor to Jeremy Corbyn. She's a protégé of John McDonnell. And I think a lot of Labour members will be watching this thinking, ah, if she does a good job, maybe she could replace Jeremy Corbyn if things go very badly wrong. What if things only go slightly wrong? Could Jeremy Corbyn stay in charge? Yes, I think there will be a lot of pressure on him to go if there is a defeat. But remember, his supporters, not just like him, they love him. There's a sort of slavish devotion to Jeremy Corbyn. And quite if it's a narrow defeat, what they will say is, well, look, we came this close. We have something to build on. The country sent us a signal that they do actually quite like what we stand for. And there's some, there's some truth in, in that. Um, so they may well argue that there's a case for him staying on for a, a longer period than, than people would have thought. There's also an argument that he might want to stay on for a slightly longer period to sort of stabilise the party and allow all the leadership contenders to get their ducks in a row. Because I think what the not just the leader, but the people around him, the key advisers and the trade union people like Len McCluskey, who are very much of the left they would hate the idea of Jeremy Corbyn disappearing in the middle of the night, resigning at five o'clock in the morning and leaving the pitch open for, let's say, a more moderate candidate. They want to make sure 
that the Labour Party remains very, very much in the mould of Jeremy Corbyn. In your heart of hearts, is Labour going to win this election? I think it's going to be difficult for the Labour Party to win a majority. The best they can hope for, and this is still going to be with a wing and a prayer, is that they could possibly form some kind of coalition government, possibly with the SNP. Next. If he had been living today, he would have been one of the NHS heroes who would uh, now be trying to save the lives of youngsters who've been stabbed. Crime correspondent Anthony France on next year's plans to mark the 20th anniversary of Damalola Taylor's fatal stabbing in Peckham. It's been 19 years since 10-year-old Damalola Taylor was stabbed to death on his way home from the library in Peckham. Despite tireless campaigning to tackle youth crime ever since, his father Richards told this newspaper society has now become normalised to it. Yesterday morning, the family gathered at the cemetery where the boy was buried. In the afternoon, they began again, planning events to mark next year's 20th anniversary and how they can use it to help bring the city's spiralling knife crime problem to an end. Our crime correspondent, Anthony France, spoke to Richard. And Anthony, this is a story you're very close to. The death of Damalola actually happened on my first shift on Fleet Street. We all remember the awful scenes when his dad arrived back from Nigeria to find that his son had died on a um, uh, filthy stairwell in Peckham. And it really caught the whole emotion of the nation at that time you know here was this young boy who was coming home from school he'd actually been to the after school library and you know on his way home doing nothing wrong stabbed to death um, and he died you know the family came to the united kingdom you know for a better life um, and you know they got caught up in our our knife crime disease and damalola had ambitions to be a doctor didn't he and his father was saying that if his son was still alive today he would be one of those helping knife crime victims yeah so just before he died damalola had talked about the fact that his sister had um uh, epilepsy and he wanted to find a cure um and as his dad says in the interview today um he says you know if, if ironically from wanting to save her life um if he had been living today he would have been one of the NHS heroes um, who would uh, now be um, trying to save the lives of youngsters who've been stabbed. And in Damalola's name, there is a, an intention next year to launch something that will continue that legacy? That's right, yeah. Um, so they're talking about a bursary. They're calling it the Year of Hope. Um, and they're talking about a bursary that will be set up for anybody who wants to become uh, a doctor. And the idea is to get big business behind it so it will be self-funding, so they don't have to go cap in hand um, to organisations every year, that it will be something that will just ca carry on for another 20 years, 30 years. You must have met Richard Taylor many times while covering the story over the years. Because of the problems that London faces now with knife crime, how is that making him feel as a father who lost his son so long ago now yeah. to exactly the same problem? Yeah, I, I don't think for one minute he's ever got over it. I think he's gone through a real roller coaster. So there's... 
the fact that he wasn't here when Damalola, because he was actually working in the civil service in um, Nigeria, the fact that he had to come over here. Um, he'd sent his son here for a better life and he died. In a place like Nigeria, which is based on British law, they have respect for British law. And I think when they sort of came over here, they expected the, the exact same thing. And as we know that there were, you know, there were three trials, you know, several defendants, um, you know, before we actually got to two brothers who were then convicted of Damalola's manslaughter. But I think every time he hears um, about a youngster being stabbed to death in London, you know, he feels it as if it's his own son. Does he have any suggestions or solutions for anything that could resolve this problem? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been talking very much about... Um, you know that this we have to treat this problem as if it was a, a public health um, emergency. You know, which is um, why he's supporting the work of the Violence Reduction Unit um, in London. Um, he's supporting that. You know, it's not just about um, locking them up. It's about the causes of it. It's about uh, these youngsters who, you know, they've got predominantly a mother at home, and she's got a choice between going out and working or looking after her son. And if she's gone out working to keep a roof over their head, there's a gang member who will, who will take her son, you know. So they, they, they're sort of like looking at things like that and, and, you know, just looking how as a society we can just be kinder and nicer to each other. And you can read Anthony's interview with Richard Taylor in the Evening Standard newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. Now... They were once gleaming iron towers dotted all over the city. Now there are just a handful of London's Victorian gas holders remaining, but at least one more may be saved. The 160-foot-high frame at Old Kent Road is the centrepiece of a £230 million home and office development, and the leader is delighted it has a future. When fossil fuels have finally been phased out, what monuments will remain? It's hard to imagine a campaign to save a petrol station. But there is still a lot of love for the large circular iron and steel towers which once stored gas before it was piped around the city. Today we report that one at a site on the Old Kent Road is to be kept as the centre of a new housing development. Others at King's Cross have been carefully rebuilt. The one at the end of the Oval Cricket Ground remains famous. They look set to shape London's skyline long after anyone can remember why they were built in the first place. The Standard's Jonathan Prince covering the story. Jonathan, what's so special about this gas holder? It's Grade 2 listed. It's one of the few that have been given um, official protection. It's unusual um, it, it, and, and very large. Uh, when it was completed in 1881, uh, it was... Uh, the largest gas holder anywhere in the world. It's also a very unusual, very innovative design, which meant that the the the, the framework is made of much narrower girders of of iron than than most of the um, or any of the um, gas holders that have gone before. So it's, it's rather beautiful, actually. The if you're into uh, industrial architecture, the, the lattice work is is very very fine and designed by designed by uh, a guy called uh, George Livesey, who was uh, a leading civil engineer of his time, uh, and who also uh, ran the local gas works where where the gas holder was in the late Victorian era. So a remarkable piece of history, just sitting there in London, unused, and now a plan to unusually not take it down 
but to restore it and make it the centrepiece of a huge development. That's right. The site was bought by developers, a developer called Aventon, just uh, earlier this week, actually, and they have now produced plans that will make the gas holder absolutely at the centre of this uh, of this scheme, which is housing and offices. Inside the gas holder, there will be a garden, a pavilion, there'll be a park, essentially an urban park, um, in and around this gas holder with these, this, uh, this incredible iron structure as the sort of architectural centrepiece. And incredible to think that this, what was basically just a functional building, is now part of London's history. Yes, I think a lot of people are really delighted about that because there were hundreds of these things that uh, dotting the skyline of, of London where the town gas was, was stored before um, they became redundant. And they do have a beauty of their own. The vast majority have now gone. Uh, only a handful survived. There's the famous oval, and there's three or four at uh, King's Cross that have been preserved as well. They're reminders of a, a different time, and, and I think a lot of people feel they, they do have a, a beauty of their own. And that's The Leader. Please do subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcasts, and try out our audio news bulletins too. Just ask your smart speaker for the news from the Evening Standard. We send one at 7am every day. The Leader is back at 4pm tomorrow. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.